1: This is Misty, and this is Lattes and Legends. Good morning. It's Monday morning. Monday morning. Uh, uh. Anyway, hi. It's been a couple weeks. Maybe a week? I don't know. It's been a while. Um, But I'm here... I am back from Vegas, which was amazing, and I am no longer sick, which is why I put off recording a new episode, because I had no voice, uh, so there was that, and that was fun, it was really fun. I uh, We... Got stuck in Phoenix for 24 hours, and then we were supposed to be back on Monday. Monday? Yeah. We were supposed to return late last Monday night. And then we were supposed to return Tuesday late. It was a mess. Anyway. I am in my office. If it sounds a little desolate in here, I have the door closed because I adopted two kittens. And they're crazy. They're absolutely bonkers. So if you hear a crash or me screaming at them, it's because they're crazy. I um adore them. They're great. They're adorable. They're so sweet. However, they don't like for me to sleep past five o'clock in the morning. So, I'm getting used to it. That's that. So, I wanted to say thanks to all the new listeners, all the new reviews. I will continue to try and keep up with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You guys know I'm not good with social media. If I could hire somebody to do it, I would. But I'm not making money off this podcast yet. So, when I do that, then maybe I'll hire you. Okay? Great. Coffee time. I went seven days without drinking coffee, and it was a nightmare, and when I finally was able to taste it, it was heavenly, and the coffee I'm drinking is from my friend Jennifer Booker, and Dr. Booker, hi, I know you guys are listening, Uh, they got me this great coffee from New Mexico, it's got pinion in it, and it's just great, it's delightful, yeah, so that's about all this stuff, I think. Is that all the stuff I have going on? I think so. Uh, it's November already. What happened to this year? I don't know. So I re- if you guys remember, I have started to do um, episodes based on this book that I found at an antique store called The Book of the Bazaar. By Varla Ventura, and this origin story came from that book, and it was a little more complicated to research than I initially thought, because. So what I'm doing today is the origin story of the evil eye. However, because it has become so popular in culture and jewelry. Almost every website I found was about jewelry. And I'm looking for depth and breadth and not jewelry. So it was a little tough. And this is probably going to be the only one to cover today because there's a lot to it. So let's get started with the origin story of the evil eye. All right, so during my research... I found a lot of interesting facts about the evil eye. And if you guys have seen it, you know that generally it's a few circles, an outside circle is a specific color, then white and then black. Um, And I decided I would start with the different colors, which you've probably seen many different colors over the years in jewelry and whatnot. the evil eye charm colors mean the following. And this is from a website called the Collective.com. So if you have an orange evil eye, it means happiness, protection, motivation for commitment, increases creativity and playfulness. Hmm. Dark blue, karma and fate protection, calm and relaxation, open flow of communication. Hmm. Light blue, general protection, broadening your perspective, solitude, and peace. Dark green, garners happiness, balance in life, freedom to pursue new ideas. Red, brings you courage, more enthusiasm and energy, protection from fears and anxieties. Brown, protection from the elements, connection with nature, orderliness, and convention. Purple. Boosts your imagination, rebalances your life, removes obstacles. Yellow or gold, protect your health, relief from exhaustion, sharper mind and concentration. Hold on guys, I gotta check on these cats. And sorry about that, the kittens were, yep, you guessed it, getting into shit. All right, so we're talking about the colors of the evil eye. Let's go with gray. Gray protects against sorrow, openness to new situations, reduces intensity of another color. Interesting. Then we have a light green. Success with your dreams, enjoyment and contentment, and good health. And white, purity and focus, clear clutter and obstacles, and start fresh. And pink, protect your friendships, Calming feeling, content, and relaxation. Huh. So, now that we know the colors of the evil eye, let's get rolling into the origin story of the evil eye. So, my sources for this podcast, like I said, were kind of difficult because everything is jewelry. Um, so, I went to Wikipedia then, The Book of the bazaar by Varla Ventura, TownandCountryMag.com, BBC.com, uh, and Collective.com. Cool. So let's talk about the history of the evil eye. So the evil eye is a superstitious belief in curse believed to cast a malevolent glare, usually given to a person when one is unaware that it's been given to them. Hmm. So it dates back to at least the Greeks in the 6th century BC. And that's where it started to appear on cups and glassware and things of that nature. Many cultures believe that when you receive the evil eye, misfortune or injury will come to you. But then there are other cultures that believe when you receive the evil eye, it means protection. Hmm. Blue is the first color of the evil eye used in glass beads in about the about 1500 BC. And it was used by the Phoenicians, Persians, Greeks, Romans, and Ottomans. Yeah. Blue was easiest to create. And that's why people say that one was used first and foremost. Coffee break. Mm-hmm. Okay. So about 40% of the whole world's population believes in the evil eye and that it is protective. And there are many, many places in literature where it appears. It's in uh, Jewish literature, Italian literature. And in Italian literature, it's also seen with the Hamza, which is the Hamza hand. And... Um, Also, it appears in Egypt. Uh, I lost my place. Sorry. (laughs) And in Egypt, it appeared between around 8700 to 3500 BC. Sorry. Clearly, I need some more coffee. All right. So, then we see it later on in the Bronze Age. And then we see it referred to in many Greek writings. Plato wrote about it. Pliny the Elder wrote about it. Plutarch. And then in 1978, there was a book called Envy in the Greeks by Peter Walcott. And he listed hundreds of authors who had mentioned the evil eye. So if you're really into the evil eye, you might want to check that out. He also noted that Greeks are the one of the first ethnic groups that found the evil eye and used it in their culture and in their charms and whatnot. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. So when Plutarch wrote about it, he had a scientific explanation for it. And his explanation stated that the eyes were the chief, if not the sole source, of the deadly rays that were supposed to spring up like poison darts from the inner recesses of a person possessing the evil eye. He treated the evil eye as something inexplicable and basically it was a source of wonder and he was just like trying to figure this out. Pliny the Elder described the the ability of certain African enchanters to have the, quote, power of fascination with the eyes and even kill those on whom they fix their gaze, end quote. Hmm, yeah. So lots of Greeks had different ideas about the evil eye. It's even mentioned in a few of Virgil's writings, And in Latin, it was seen as more of like a phallic charm, and it was translated to mean to cast a spell or to fascinate. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in the Middle East, around the 1st century BC to the 4th century AD, there were different phallic charms with the evil eye carved on them and people wore them as pendants as rings as earrings and they thought that these phallic charms were to protect them from evil there's even one painting from leptis magna ready for this yeah get ready and it depicts a disembodied Penis attacking an evil eye by ejaculating towards it. Huh. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, and the Romans, when they used it in a phallic way, they called it a kind of lightning conductor for good luck. So let that roll around for a second. Okay. So, Belief in the Evil Eye is strongest in Latin America, West Asia, East and West Africa, Central America, Europe, Central Asia, South Asia, and the Mediterranean regions. It was brought to America by Europeans and West Asian immigrants. Um, And it's also mentioned in... In Islam uh, it is in let's see uh, 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 where is it I lost it it is in um, Islam texture tech Islam text scripture blah, 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 book 26 number five four two seven and it talks about the influence of the evil eye being fact crazy right mm-hmm. The evil eye is also very popular in Greece and Turkey, which a lot of people say that's where it first came from. There's just lots of stories about, oh, it was ours first, no, it was theirs first. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? That kind of deal. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of that in history. There were attempts to get rid of the evil eye by certain cultures, but then others in that culture would say, oh, well, it's actually not a curse. It gets rid of curses. So once again, there was a lot of he said, she said, and then finally it became so popular that now it's everywhere, everywhere. You can find it on Amazon, I'm sure. It's everywhere. The Evil Eye. It's its crazy. It's super cool. I love it in jewelry and whatnot, but It's crazy how it all started. All right, so I mentioned the Hamza hand earlier. And basically, it's a hand-shaped talisman against the evil eye and is found in West Asia. The word Hamza um, means five, referring to the fingers on the hand. Hey, I have one of those on my tattoo. (laughs) In Jewish culture, the Hamza is called the Hand of Miriam. In some Muslim cultures, it's called the Hand of Fatima. Mm -hmm. Um, What else? What else? What else? What else? All right. So, speaking of Islam, let's talk about really quick the uh, blah, blah 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 the evil eye in Islam. So. It is a common belief that individuals have the power to look at people, animals, or objects to cause them harm. It is tradition among many Muslims that if a compliment is made, a person should say blessings of God. I don't know how to say that, so I'm just saying the English version. Or Masha Allah, which means God has willed it to ward off the evil eye. Um, there are some scholars who worked with the Quran and they have performed exorcisms using the word God or, or using talismans like the evil eye, amulets, or fortune tellers. And sometimes, sometimes they've asked jinns to help them. Ooh, we should talk about jinns. Did we talk about jinns already? Maybe I already did. All right, so that's the evil eye in Islam. In Judaism, the evil eye is mentioned several times in a book called Ethics of Our Fathers. In chapter two, um, the rabbi that wrote the book gives advice on how to follow the good path in life and avoid the bad. He says an evil eye is worse than a bad friend, a bad neighbor, or an evil heart. Hmm. There are some Jews that believe uh, that a good eye designates an attitude of goodwill and kindness towards others. An evil eye denotes the exact opposite. A man with an evil eye will not feel any joy, but experience distress, while people that have a good eye will prosper and rejoice. Hmm. All right. So that's what it is in Judaism. Hmm. Interesting. Um, In Trinidad and Tobago, we're now in the Caribbean West Indies, the evil eye is called Majo, which means the bad eye. I'm probably saying that incorrectly. I don't speak this language. Um, It refers to persons that have been inflicted, afflicted, mm -hmm, by the evil eye, and they think that it has really bad intentions. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second. So, so far, we've talked about the evil eye and cultures and everyone thinks it is, quote, indeed evil. So, if it is evil, why is it on all this jewelry? Why? We'll get into that for sure. So, let's finish with our West Indies folk. Um, If they are not religious in the West Indies, there's a strong cultural association between the evil eye and the color blue. Blue ornaments are hung up to protect households. Blue bottles of milk of magnesia have been hung from trees to protect property. There's blue soap hmm, um, that is anointed on the soles of people's feet to protect them from the evil eye. Blue jumbie beads are used to make jewelry to ward off evil spirits and the evil eye. This is crazy. I, I just don't get where this is, the jewelry aspect is coming from. But like I said, we'll get into that in a second. So, now we're going to talk about Greece. So, in Greece, the evil eye is known as I. And it's been around, like I said, since 6th century B.C. Healers use the evil eye to perform different... um, uh, What am I looking for? They would perform the sign of the cross three times, and they would have the evil eye with them. And then they would test the evil eye by using olive oil, and they would see... If it would float in a certain kind of water, usually holy water, um, and then they would say a secret chant and this test would prove to them if they could heal the person that had been quote, afflicted by the evil eye or not, Mm-hmm. um. They also thought that it's technically possible to give your own self the evil eye, and so these Greek fathers would tell other Greeks that they need to be humble, they need to be kind, or they will never get rid of the evil eye. Now we will talk about the Assyrians. So the Assyrians were huge believers in the evil eye, and they would wear blue or turquoise beads around their neck to protect them from the evil eye. Uh, it was also said that they would make the sign of the cross with their fingers and they would hold these beads. Um, interestingly enough, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, he talked about the evil eye. He wrote, quote... When we started, the crowd round the indoor, which had by this time swelled to considerable size, all made the sign of the cross and pointed two fingers toward me. With some difficulty, I got a fellow passenger to tell me what they meant. He would not answer at first, but on learning that I was English, he explained that it was a charm or a guard against the evil eye. Let's talk about turkey. So in Turkey, they have amulets with the evil eye on them known as nazar or nazar. I don't know how to pronounce it. So a typical amulet is made from handmade glass and it has uh, the circles of the evil eye or a teardrop with dark blue, white, light blue, and black. They're usually yellow and gold edges So the cultures that believe that these amulets will protect them and hang them in their homes and offices are Turkey, Romania, Albania, Bosnia, Greece, Syria, Cyprus, Lebanon, Iran, Iraq, Armenia, Egypt. The list goes on. But also they have discovered that they can make money off tourists for this. So that's why it is kind of blown up in their societies because, like I said, they're everywhere. Um, Other countries that use these amulets: Pakistan, Senegal, Ethiopia. Let's talk about Southern Italy. That was my song about Southern Italy. so, in southern Italy, they believe in talismans, and they believe that two different hand signs can be used against the evil eye. Um, one of them looks like the hand symbol for rock and roll. I'm just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. So, whoever is the wielder of the evil eye is described as having striking facial appearances, high brows, a stark stare that leaps from their eyes. Hmm. They often have a reputation for involvement with dark forces or dark powers, and they are usually the object of gossip. Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) Um, public figures of every type, from poets to gangsters, have all been attributed to having the power in their eyes of the evil eye. Mm-hmm. In Malta, they use the evil eye to protect fishermen from storms. Interesting fact. Let's see. What else? In Brazil... Hmm... They call it the gluttonous eye, or the ojo gordo, the fat eye. And basically, they associate the evil eye with envy or jealousy. And um, they also associate it with, this is interesting, attractive hair. Hmm. Interesting. So... Amulets are used in Brazil to protect them also from the evil eye. And these will be hung up on mirrors outside the home's front door. They have elephant figurines that have their back to the front door that protect them from the evil eye. And they also use sea salt to protect them from the evil eye in certain places in their homes. Which reminds me a lot of... That show supernatural, but I digress. Let's move on, shall we? Um, Other countries such as Mexico, Puerto Rico, Spain, Central America, Latin America, all have representations of the Mal de Ojo or the evil eye. India, they have it as well, and they also use the amulets there to ward off Evil forces. So let's talk about the United States, shall we? There's not too much on the United States uh, from this little blurb from Wikipedia. But I'll get into the jewelry part in the United States in just a moment. So in 1946, there was an American occultist, Henry Gamanchi, who published a text called The Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed. Mm -hmm. and this gives the reader directions on how to defend yourself from the evil eye. All right, so let's talk about the evil eye in jewelry. So all of the cultures that I mentioned, they all have different ways to ward off, quote, the evil eye or evil spirits, and basically, it all started with amulets, and it has really turned into this popular phenomenon everywhere. Of all all the things that I have read, buying an evil eye necklace or bracelet for yourself is a bit sacrilegious, if you believe in that, if... Someone buys it for you, which is also what other um, cultures say. If someone buys it for you, it means more and it will protect you than if, say, you buy it for yourself. So basically, if you want the protection of the evil eye, you must buy it for someone else. Hint to them that you need it. And they need to buy it for you, otherwise, mm-mm. nope, nope, nope. Yeah. So, I thought this was going to be much longer today, but I guess it wasn't. I'm sorry. Um. However, this is the origin of the evil eye, and it's pretty awesome. It's cool. I think I think it's super cool on um, on jewelry, but again, I can't buy it for myself. Uh, I tried to find out if getting it in tattoo form was a bit sacrilegious or whatever. Um, I couldn't find a lot of information on that either. I feel like it's one of those things that's just. Uh, You know, new-ish. So, yeah. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I kind of went on tangents. I apologize for my uh, (laughs) being all over the place today. It's just, with the cats, it's um, a little crazy right now. And yeah, so I hope that you guys enjoy this and I hope to record another podcast next week or maybe this week. Um, I will be covering, what did I decide I was going to do? Premature burials. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So happy Monday. Everybody have a great week. I hope it is beautiful where you are. It's a little chilly here. But things are moving and grooving, yeah. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon and
0: bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus.